the lessons that we learned very early on, even how to go without yeah. and what were we willing to spend on? What were we not willing to spend on? What were our financial goals that has set us up for where we are now? And I feel like we live with that healthy amount of want. Yeah. And I feel like our girls do too. Our girls, they don't go without, they yeah. have what they need. But I also feel like we're teaching them from an early age that there is that healthy amount of want. And that yeah. want, we're then able to set goals around how do we achieve it. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Many of us have spent years acquiring all the things without considering whether or not we have enough. But what is enough, really? The world may suggest to spend more, own more, and do more. However, how do we clearly define what is just enough for our family? Joining me today for a discussion on discovering what just enough looks like and finding contentment in what we already have is Tyler Moore. Known as Tidy Dad on Instagram, Tyler teaches tips and strategies for developing systems and routines for tidying, organizing, and cleaning. I can't wait to share this episode with you, but before we get there, I want to share a quick minimalist moment of the week. If you follow my personal Instagram account, you may have seen that my family and I have just completed the Columbus Metro Park's 50th winter hike series. I know, I know, I'm constantly sharing resources or moments that have to do with my time spent out in nature. However, I think this is one of those things that we can't overemphasize. I'm not talking about the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual benefits that come from spending time in nature, but I'm talking about how this specific activity that we chose to do this winter brought us so much closer together and it was free. It was something that we saw our community was offering and we decided as a family to do with one another. We persevered on really cold days, on long hikes, especially for three-year-olds. We were able to connect with the people in our nature group as a lot of these hikes we actually completed with our nature group. So again, stressing the importance of experience over things, connection with ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities. If you're listening along and you're not local to Columbus, this could be something that you encourage the Metro Park system in your area to do, or maybe they do offer something like this and you just haven't utilized it yet. It truly felt so good to get to the metaphorical finish line as we completed this series. I've been saying we are a family that enjoys going outside in colder weather, but this was just a way to get us to that next level, to get those a thousand hours outside, if you will, uh, over the past couple of months, which I don't think we would have gotten out nearly as much had we had not had something that we were working towards together. All right, I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Tyler Moore of The Tidy Dad. So let's get to it. Tyler, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to talk and share with you. And it'll be fun to have the mom perspective, the dad perspective, as we're talking about all things space and simplifying and tidying. So I'm excited to be here. I was excited to connect with you. I want more male perspectives, more dad perspectives on the show, because I think it does help balance. And also there's insight that you have that I don't. So it's fun to have males here to join me. But why don't you introduce yourself? You are Tyler, also known on Instagram 
Instagram and the internet as the tidy dad. Introduce yourself. How did you get started doing that? And then do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? I am tidy dad on Instagram. I have a website, thetidydad.com on TikTok. I'm the tidy dad. And I'm a New York City teacher, and I'm a father of three daughters. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And so my wife and I, we live in a two-bedroom, 750-square-foot apartment in New York City. And we got started with Tidy Dad several years ago because Marie Kondo came out with a new show on Netflix titled Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. And all of the parent boards were going crazy because they were saying, this is wonderful. This seems like an incredible approach, but has anyone actually done this with kids? kids? And can anybody actually share that perspective? And so that's when I started to share as Tidy Dad. And it started with me opening up our closets, showing off our different spaces and talking about how we had tidied our space in order to make it work for our growing family, but also sharing some of the realities of what does it look like when you're living with kids who are ever evolving and ever changing, and there are constantly new things coming in. Well, at the same time, you have to deal with the stuff that they've grown out of, and you have to decide what stays, what goes. And so through the Tidy Dad platform, I've really tried to share sort of that real look at what does it look like to navigate a small space with kids. We have a very fixed amount of square footage, but what are the practical realities of what it looks like to manage and maintain a space? Mm -hmm. And so then in terms of, do you consider yourself a minimalist? It's such an interesting question. And I feel like that term minimalism, it has so many different definitions. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when people ask me that in some areas of my life, I would consider myself to be a minimalist, but then there are other areas where we're not. And I would say that we've more so adopted this philosophy of just enough that once we have that personal definition of what is just enough in any individual category, that can then help us to make decisions about what stays and what goes. And like a practical application is I have a 14 inch wide closet that's six feet tall. I have to have a very small capsule wardrobe by nature of I don't have a lot of space. Yeah. Does that mean that I'm a total minimalist in terms of my wardrobe? Not exactly, but I've had to be really strategic about the colors that I choose from my capsule wardrobe. Mm -hmm. We live in New York City. It's very temperamental weather as we go throughout the year. And so I have to have the items necessary to get me from one season to the next, mm -hmm. but more so... I've had to establish what is just enough for that closet because I can't cram everything in. But that's different from like toys, for example, and our kids' clothing. So I do feel like that concept of just enough is more so what's been a guiding principle for us as opposed to fully adopting minimalism in all areas. Yeah. And we'll be talking about the idea of just enough here in just a mm -hmm. moment. But I am curious, how many square feet are you working with? How big is your home? So we're working with 750 square feet. Okay. We live in a railroad style apartment, which is unique. So essentially we have from the front of the building to the back of the building, but okay. it's a very long and narrow apartment. And so in some ways, if you can think of a single wide trailer home, that's mm -hmm. essentially what it is. But in our building, multiple are just stacked on top of each other. So logistically, we've had to be really creative with our space because each room essentially acts as a glorified hallway to get to the next room. So yeah. our daughters share the largest bedroom in our apartment. My wife and I have the smaller bedroom. 
Then the girls have a very narrow playroom, which Mm -hmm. is essentially about seven feet wide, 14 feet long. And then we have our living area, which also has our dining space and our kitchen. Instead of changing our square footage or changing our apartment, we've more so focused on how do we evolve all of the spaces. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because my wife and I and our girls, we've like slept in each of the different rooms as we've configured things over the past 10 years. But this current setup of the girls being in the largest bedroom, us being in the smallest bedroom is really working for us now in this season of life. No, my husband and I talk about doing that because I would rather my boys have space because we have the toys in their bedroom. So we don't really Mm -hmm. have a designated space for them to play. I'm like, you do have more stuff in your room, technically. I would like to also create that to be a more of a refuge at some point for us to just kind of get away. But yeah, I'm like, who cares if our room is the smallest? We just need a bed. That's it. Yeah, I agree. And I do feel like it's been interesting to see what sort of messages resonate on Instagram. And I feel like one of them has been this idea of switching bedrooms, because I feel like in American culture, there's all of this talk about how large is the primary bedroom. And when I watch the home improvement shows, or when I shop on Zillow, you see these massive primary bedrooms that include these ensuite bathrooms, which does sound luxurious, but also these sitting rooms. And you see these expansive spaces with this bed in the middle. And so I feel like when we shared our journey of why we switched bedrooms with the girls, that gave other parents the invitation to think about their square footage in a more practical and strategic way. Because when you take out sort of those barriers and boundaries or just philosophies around how space should be allocated, Mm -hmm. and if you really think of your square footage in terms of how could our family best utilize the square footage that we have, how Mm -hmm. do we look at each room as a blank slate that then opens up the creative possibilities Because Mm -hmm. each of our spaces are different, but Mm -hmm. yet I feel like when we approach our home in some ways as this like living, breathing entity that needs to evolve and change as our needs change, Mm -hmm. it can then help to quiet some of those feelings around, we don't have enough space. I wish that we had this. I wish that we had this. And more so think about why do we like where we're living? How is this space currently serving us in this season? And how can we maximize it to its fullest potential? But it again goes based back to the individual needs that the family has. Yeah, I think shifting your perspective, having a negative track about what you dislike about your home is not benefiting anyone, especially if you don't have money to move and you probably don't need to move. You may have too much stuff. But it's funny now, like looking back to my own childhood, my parents used their dining room as our playroom. And so I like the idea of no room has a designated name. It's whatever we want to make of it that's most beneficial for this season and for our family. And I like that. Yeah. And it's like with your parents, I doubt that now they still have like their dining room as their playroom, but it was like, it's for that short season of time. But I feel like those lessons Mm -hmm. that you learn early on, even in a family structure or as you're continuing to grow and evolve or add children, like in our case, when we transitioned from two kids to three kids, we actually felt less of an impact because we had made that early decision when we transitioned from one kid to two kids. Mm -hmm. And we put the crib and the tiny room along with the toddler bed. And we were like, this just does not feel right. And so then we did this huge bedroom flip, but I do feel like that set us up for the years to come. And it's made it where we can comfortably stay in this space for as long as we want to, even Mm -hmm. though people are desperate to know what we're going to do when our daughters are teenagers. I don't know. We're not there yet. We're living in this current season and we will adapt and make changes as need be as our family changes. No, I agree. And I think you also have to look at what you value and what you're maybe working towards because we 
lived in 900 and I think 40 square feet up until we had our third child. And my husband and I, for a good year, were sleeping downstairs in the living room, like on the pullout couch. That's where we lived yeah. for a year or slept for a year. And again, that wasn't luxurious. It wasn't probably ideal for a lot of people, but we had a goal we were looking for. We want to own multiple properties like we have a yeah. rental. And so it's like, we're going to sacrifice right now. And maybe that's not for you, but that's okay because it works for us right now. And so I think, again, I'm not saying that people might not need some space, but I think what is the main goal that you're driving towards and then evaluate based on that. I think that that's a really cool way to look at it. And we're similar in that way. We have our apartment in New York City. We own a cottage outside yeah. of the city in Pennsylvania. And it's the same thing. Monday through Friday and during the school week, we're all basically out of the house. Mm-hmm. We're here to like yeah. eat dinner and sleep and then eat yeah. breakfast the next day. Mm-hmm. And I have so many friends and colleagues who have these incredibly long commutes during the day. And I'm really lucky that my daughters go to the same school where I teach and it's a 30 minute walking commute each day. So I walk there on their scooters, but yet I don't have that hour and a half, two hour commute every day going to a much larger space outside of the city with the yard that I'm not even able to enjoy. And so Mm -hmm. for us, it's like the best of both worlds. We have the city life, but then we have our retreat space in Pennsylvania, but it does go back to, I love what you said about how, what are those personal motivators for you as a family? Like what are those goals that you're setting? And Mm -hmm. then how do you put the plans in place in order to make that happen? But again, that goal is so individual for each person. And so when you can quiet Mm -hmm. some of the noise of what friends or family or society are telling you that just like sense of joy and peace about your space and how you're using it. My husband and I got married at 22 and I had to remind myself, maybe we can't afford what a 35 or 40 year old can afford. A lot of our friends when we got married were in their late thirties. And it was hard sometimes to feel like, oh, we don't have what they have. We don't have the space that they have. We don't have the vacations that they have. But I think you also have to look at, I'm just where I need to be. I'm right where I should be. And we had a smaller house and now we have a little bit bigger of a house, but it's still pretty small. And one day we hope to have a little bit more land, not necessarily space. Mm -hmm. But I think the comparison element and probably social media does a lot of damage in this regard that maybe my parents didn't feel figuring out where the season is that you belong and just put your blinders on, avoid everything else. And just what is this going to look like for us? Because again, even if we had, when we were 22, had the amount of money that maybe our 40 year old friends had, we wouldn't have spent it the same way. It would have looked radically different maybe. And so I think no one's going to spend the same way. No one necessarily is designing the exact same life. And so that gives me some peace and freedom to say, nope, this is what we chose and let's go. Yeah. It's funny because you saying that it gave me goosebumps a little bit because (laughs) my wife and I, we got married really young. I was 22. My wife was 21. And it was similar in that we had to make some really early financial decisions. And one of those that we made was the decision to live on one income. And at the time Mm -hmm. my wife was in grad school, she was going full-time. I was a teacher. I was making $30,000 a year at my public school in Kentucky. And we had to figure out how were we going to scrimp and how are we going to coupon and how are we going to make the ends meet? Mm -hmm. And the lessons that we learned very early on, even how to go without and what were we willing to spend on? What were we not willing to spend on? What were our financial goals that has set us up for where we are now? And I feel like we live with that healthy amount of want. And I feel like our girls do too. Our girls, they don't go without, they have what they need. But I also feel like we're teaching them from an early age that there is that healthy amount of want. And that want, we're then able to set goals around how do we achieve it? 
Mm-hmm. But from the time that we were first married, we didn't need handouts from anyone. I wanted mm-hmm. to earn and work, hustle my way along. And I feel like mm-hmm. we're still doing that to this day. And even with our cottage, we had saved for years and years and years. And we were going to buy an apartment in New York City. And oh, we put an offer on an apartment. And I was like, I cannot do this. This is the wrong decision. It was one of those times where in my gut, it just felt wrong. Yeah. But we were like, okay, so what do we do with this nest egg of money that we had saved? And we thought, what if we think more radically? And that was when we decided to buy outside of the city. We've then been able to rent it out. The rental income basically pays for it, which is incredible. But our definition of what do we want is very different from others. And I feel like you have to lean into those like gut feelings that you have at times, but also it's what I said about learning how to go without and how to scrimp and sacrifice. And it does make when you actually reach those goals, it makes it feel a little bit sweeter. But to this day, there are still things that we have to save for. And there are things that we have to go without. Mm -hmm. And part of that is we can also think about minimalism in terms of time and energy Mm -hmm. and resources. And I've had to really confront how much am I willing to work? What does it look like to spend more time with my family? What is the positional responsibility that Mm -hmm. I want? How are we spending? And is there inherently a negative cost to what those Mm -hmm. goals are for our family? So I think it's a fascinating conversation that I feel like this idea of tidying, this idea of minimalism, this idea of simplifying your life, it's really hard to take money out of that conversation because it's so directly tied in. I think I'm actually more frugal than I am sometimes a minimalist Uh and I'm constantly trying to figure out what is, how do I define both of those things? Because you're right. What you said at the beginning in some areas, you're not a minimalist at all. And I, I want to sit down and think about those areas that I'm not a minimalist at all because they're definitely there. But I think a lot of it is driven by frugality. And like you said, there are things that you want. And so my husband and I have a list right now of things. It's like, put it on the list. We need it. Do we need it slash want it? Put it on the list. We'll work towards it. Once we reach maybe a financial goal, then we look at the first thing on the list and then we just kind of move through it. And again, we could go max out a credit card and get everything on that list, but that's somewhat fleeting the excitement and working towards Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Question really fast. Were you always someone that was a tidy person growing up? I don't think I asked you that. Yeah. So it's funny looking back on my childhood, I always had sort of a tidy room. I always liked having my things in a certain place, but what really forced me around tidying and organization was when I was in middle school, my parents divorced Mm -hmm. and they had, as I like to say, I was like the luckiest divorced kid because I still lived with both parents. We went back and forth. So it was like three days with one parent. Then we had a free day where my sisters and I sort of chose. It wasn't a like, choose your favorite parent. It was like, (laughs) let's just sort of divide up and then three days with the other. But because it wasn't a more traditional structure of with dad Monday through Thursday with mom every weekend, we were constantly going back and forth. And so I had Mm -hmm. to develop from a pretty young age, a system for myself of keeping track of my things because I had to think about what needs to go to dads, then what needs to come back to moms. I know that I have such and such assignment coming up on Thursday, but I've been working on the project at mom's Monday, Mm -hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday. How do I get that to dad's house to be able to turn it into school? And so I feel like the silver lining of the divorce really was thinking organizationally and logistically, how do we move things from one place to the next? Also as a teacher, so I've been a teacher for 15 years. I've taught grades three through seven. And so navigating 30 plus kids moving throughout a space Mm -hmm. has also really forced me to think about from a tidying perspective, the system 
systems that are in place? How do we have systems from minute of where do you put the sharp pencils, where do you put the dull pencils, all the way to how are students getting workbooks within a classroom? Because Mm -hmm. you don't want things organized in one place because then all of the kids crowd that one place. Like, how do you disperse them throughout the room? And it's going back to your initial question of like how Tidy Dad started. I feel Mm -hmm. like in some ways our creativity comes from this storm that's sort of brewing outside of us. I've been able to enter the conversation at a time where, and especially pre-pandemic and then also during the pandemic, everyone was sort of grappling with how do we make sense of all of these things that are going on? How do we bring order to our physical spaces? How do we think about how we do multiple different things in our homes? Because people went from working outside of the home to now working in the home. And so you need a workspace. Plus your kids need a place to do art and a place to play. Plus you also have a place to sleep and store your things. For the stage of life that I'm in now, I'm drawing from a lot of those lessons. And some of them start early from my childhood with my parents' divorce, but also the skills that I've had to hone as a teacher. Because 15 years in, I'm a much different teacher than I was that first year. And I've learned a lot of things along the way. Plus, as we've added each girl to our home, there have been different stressors and different sort of skills that we've had to flex. So Tidy Dad has been a culmination of things. I guess it started from being a tidy kid to a tidy adolescent, but it's really reflecting on a lot of those things that I've learned. I wanted to know, I needed to know the origin story of how this all began. Yeah. The the other thing that I'll say is it's interesting because I get a lot of questions around gender. And we started talking about that a little bit. And my DMs, Often it is, I've never seen a man clean. You must have had a really great mom to teach Mm -hmm. you these things. I hope that my children grew up someday to have a partner just like you. Mm -hmm. And yes, those are compliments in some ways. It also reveals a lot of the deeper held gender stereotypes that we have around men and -hmm. around boys. Mm -hmm. And going back to my childhood, in terms of gender roles within the home, my sisters and I were never treated differently. We Mm -hmm. always had outdoor chores. We had indoor chores. Mm -hmm. We traded off who was cleaning the bathroom, who was working on laundry. There was never this, oh, these are the boys' chores and these are the girls' girls' chores. And also growing up, seeing my parents as married parents and then as single parents, I saw them take on roles that were at the time, you know, a product of late eighties, early nineties that were Mm -hmm. still very gender stereotyped. But like my dad was a teacher growing up. And I remember my dad making us breakfast every morning and Mm -hmm. helping us get dressed because Mm -hmm. my mom had an early morning hospital shift. With Tidy Dad, there is this larger mission, which is helping to push some of these gender stereotypes that still do exist Mm -hmm. and showing that we all make messes. We can all work to clean up messes. I'm very cognizant of I'm raising three daughters Mm -hmm. and I really like that they will find me like scrubbing and cleaning the bathroom on Monday mornings, or Mm -hmm. I'm helping them fold their clothes and tidy their things. I do wonder where the whole frat boy, dirty house idea came about because I know several women that are extremely sloppy and I am tidy, but I don't deep clean. My husband's actually the better deep cleaner out of of us. So I don't know where that all started because it is a value to say like, I want to be organized because that bleeds into every other area of your life. It Mm -hmm. bleeds into your working, your relationships. If you're a mess at home, maybe it reflects in your day to day. I think it does. And I think that there are, it's funny because it goes 
goes to like this idea of, are you a minimalist or not? Like, I think that we could all identify what are the areas in our lives that we are messier than others. Because even my daughters, they like to joke and they like to call me messy dad sometimes instead of tidy dad. My work bag, for example, my work bag is always a mess because I have this like canvas bag. I'm throwing stuff in every couple of weeks. I'll like tidy it, put the things back in the pencil pouch and move on with my life. But there are other things like my closet that's very neatly organized into my like vertical folds that Marie Kondo (laughs) would be proud of. So there is, there are those distinctions, but yeah, those generalizations, because I think that the frat boys, they get away with being messy, but I don't think that women can get away with being messy. And I think that women are very much more judged for their homes than if they're living with a man as their partner than their man ever would be. The more that we talk about how we're sharing the full load of what Mm -hmm. it takes to manage a home and care for children, Mm -hmm. the more we help to break down those stereotypes. Because Mm -hmm. every day I post my weekday cleaning routine on Instagram, I'm showing myself cleaning. Mm -hmm. And again, women say, doesn't your wife clean? Yes, my wife does clean. Like Mm -hmm. she cleans up after every meal that Mm -hmm. the girls have, but Mm -hmm. I am deep cleaning. There's Mm -hmm. a difference between deep cleaning and Mm -hmm. like surface cleaning or cleaning up after a meal. There's so much work that goes into it. But it's also when I do try to use the pronouns of we more than I saying that we are working on such and such together. It does. That's what helps to subtly dismantle some of these stereotypes that exist because every family looks different. Every season of life looks different. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought it up. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I do want to talk about, we've briefly mentioned just enough. And I want to know what that looks like for your family. How do you determine what is just enough? Yeah. So this philosophy of just enough is this idea of identifying in any sort of individual category, what is just enough for us Mm -hmm. financially. We've talked about how just enough right now looks like me being a teacher and bringing in my salary while my wife is staying at home right now while also working to manage our short-term rental and also our tidy dad business. Based on that salary that comes in, we've had to make decisions about our housing, activities that we have the girls in, vacations that we take. And so right now, I mean, I pursued the track of being an administrator. I thought that it would lead to more money, more positional power, but that actually sort of imploded sort of our life Mm -hmm. because I was pursuing that career trajectory sort of based on the perception that I wanted others to have of me. And I sort of threw out the window that idea of just enough, like we were fine, Mm -hmm. but also other practical levels of just enough. It's like with our girls' clothing. Each girl in their wardrobe, they have four drawers. They Mm -hmm. have one for pajamas, they have one for shirts, one for pants, and one for their school uniform. Mm -hmm. Just enough is how many pants can fit into that drawer. It means we can't have 30 pairs of pants. We may be able to have 15. And so when we feel like that category is starting to get overloaded, that's when we do the editing process of choosing what stays and what goes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there is the practical level of what just enough looks like, but there's then the larger sort of philosophical question that goes back to what you were talking about of what are our family's goals? How do we want to spend our time? How do we want to spend our resources? What does it look like for just enough in each of these individual categories? Because you can't upsize all aspects of your life. Something has to give. If your kids are overscheduled on the weekends and you have all of these sports activities that are happening year round, that means that you can't necessarily have the flexibility of like weekend day trips or going to museums or driving to see family. 
And you have to establish what is just enough. And for some people with sports, they're like, okay, my kids are going to have one fall sport, Mm -hmm. one spring sport, and no one is playing sports during the summertime. Mm -hmm. That is the process of establishing what is just enough for you, regardless Mm -hmm. of what are your friends doing? What is the pressure that's being put on you? You being able to name, this is what we need for our family. This is what we don't need. Mm -hmm. I feel like is a really powerful guiding principle. Absolutely. And we just recently, I mean, my daughter would take art classes from time to time, nothing long term, but we just put her in gymnastics and she's eight. And it was something that not to judge anyone if they put their three-year-old into a a class, but for us, I wanted to emphasize nature and play before we started putting pressure on. I get the idea of organized sports and working as a team. I do think that's important, but I also wanted to give her that foundation of independence and just play. I just think we're talking about so many societal things, but I do think that pressure of you have to do this and you have to be a part of a team and you have to like make sports your life. I just know so many of those people when I was growing up, it was soccer was everything. We're going to play. And then when we're not playing, we're training. I think it puts a lot of pressure on us as the parent to have to navigate that, especially if you have multiple kids, you're having to drive to and from and it's chaotic and you're trying to shove dinner down people's throats. It's just, I don't like the chaotic element of all that. So I like the idea of just enough. What is that look like maybe it's our child can play one sport a year because we have three kids and if we do that for each kid i am going for each of my kids to multiple places a week i'm probably going to be an angrier person and i'm sure some of that emotion i can manage however i want time for flexibility and slow and yeah and i think that that's so important and i think that that's when you're able to name that for yourself or like when you and your husband are able to name this is what we want for our family this is what just enough is for us it then helps to quiet some of that pressure that we all undoubtedly feel. And I feel it sometimes with our space that I will look or I'll go visit family or friends. Like we have friends that have moved to the suburbs Mm -hmm. and it's very easy for me to spend the afternoon there and think we could have this life too. Mm -hmm. And there's this thinking feeling of like, are we doing the right thing? But then I have to remember, we have named that in this season, 750 square feet is enough for our family. We have Mm -hmm. a triple bunk. We have a triple wardrobe system. Mm -hmm. All the girls fit. And also it allows me to walk my kids to and from school each and every day, which I would not be able to if we were in the suburbs. And so that going back to that definition of like, I chose this, this is what we wanted. Here's how we've set boundaries. I feel like calms some of the noise that we undoubtedly feel when Mm -hmm. we play the comparison game. There was someone I interviewed and she was like, because we all love soccer, all of my kids played soccer. So it was something that their family did for themselves. And I think that's cool too, if you to make that a huge part of your life. Well, do you have any other encouragement that you'd like to leave with listeners and then share where they can find you online? Yeah. So what I always like to tell people, because people look at different people's lives online or comparing it to their friends. And what I like to say, just to sort of calm people and reassure them is that we all have ways. They're all small ways that we can tidy up some sort of aspect of our life. And so Mm -hmm. it's identifying what's really important to you. And then it's putting the steps in place in order to simplify or tidy up some sort of aspect of your life. And so I do feel like it's important to share my real journey, but also to let people know that with small steps, things can start to get just a little bit better. And so if you want to find me, I'm Tidy Dad on Instagram. I'm the Tidy Dad on TikTok, still figuring that platform out. Uh And then also the tidydad.com is my website. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with listeners? A beneficial resource. So 
Marie Kondo's book, Spark Joy, was an incredible resource, especially when we were in the thick of how do we tidy and make sense of our space? I feel like sometimes having that book that can step in as that practical guide is incredibly helpful. So mm -hmm. I do feel like Spark Joy by Marie Kondo, if you're new to this idea of tidying, is a really helpful starting step. Cool. Okay. My last question, and then I'll let you go, is what is something that you can't stop talking about? It is travel with kids. So we're about to embark this afternoon on a trip across the ocean to London. Travel has been such a gift in our lives. And I feel like there are so many anxieties that parents have that hold them back. And so something I'm so passionate about right now is just telling parents to like rip that bandaid and just go, whether it is mm -hmm. a weekend trip, whether it is driving in the car, whether it is flying across the ocean, every time you travel, it gets a little bit easier with your kids and you learn yeah. something new, but you've got to just go and experience life and take your kids along with you. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully they'll pass that down to their kiddos as well. Yeah. And then invite you to go on the trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> Grandma will come <laughs> and babysit, but also get a free room <laughs> for sure. Well, Tyler, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciated this conversation and I hope it's helpful to people. Thanks for having me. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.